Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Thank you for joining today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. We are your hosts, Sayla and Eileen. And today we have Dr. Jeff Anzalone. He is a periodontist in Louisiana and the founder of DebtFreeDoctor.com. He started his blog after paying off close to $300,000 in student loan debt in order to share his investing strategies to other doctors and high-income professionals to achieve their financial freedom by building multiple streams of passive income through real estate. We're really excited to have you on today, Jeff. Yeah, thank, thank you guys for uh, having me on the show. Looking forward to connecting with you and uh, your listeners. We have a lot to talk about today, and I'm sure everybody wants to know how you got out of your debt and all the strategies that you've implemented um, to get you to where you are today. So so can we please start off by start telling our listeners a little bit more about your background and how did you get started in real estate? Yeah, I'm a full-time practicing periodontist in Louisiana and born and raised here, went to LSU. And when I got out of training, I was supposed to come back here to my hometown and join a group. But unfortunately, a couple of weeks before graduation, the deal fell through. And if people that are listening to this know anything about dental school or medical school or probably any professional law school, they just teach you your trade. They teach you how to do the work. They don't teach you anything about the business how to run a business, how to run a practice. And unfortunately, when that deal fell through, I didn't have a clue what to do. So with $300,000 of student loan debt, a two-month-old, no business knowledge, no patience, it it was a little stressful, if, if you can imagine that. But I think all things work out for the good. I'm from a small town, so people heard about a situation. One particular gentleman reached out to me, took me under his wing, taught me how to run a business. I was able to rent space from him. He helped me network in my area with with some of the other dentists. And that's kind of how I got started with the practicing. And during that time period, I always thought that I never really thought much or really had any issue with the debt that I was acquiring because I guess maybe it's kind of like we don't get paid near what professional athletes do, but I, but I can understand that maybe if they're in college and they know that they're probably going to play pro somewhere, they're always thinking it's not that big of a deal if I get debt or accumulate debt because I'm going to be able to pay it off. I'm going to have a good income. And that's, I think that was always in the back of my mind. So it really wasn't that big of an issue, but when it, was all taken away that opportunity. Plus we had already purchased a home interest only based on the guy gave us the loan. You know, this was before the 2008 crash, but it was based on, Hey, he knew the group I was going in with. So he said, Oh yeah, no issue. And we'll we'll get you the house. So I I really went in, went from that abundance mentality. I'm going to have plenty to scarcity survival mode. And and it took me a while. And it's still to this day, it still takes a while to shift from that scarcity survival mode to a, a, abundance mindset. And, and I think that really helped me in a way because it really helped me to concentrate on paying off all the debt, the consumer debt, you know, that, that I had mainly acquired. It was mainly student loan debt, no credit card debt. But unfortunately, most doctors, you know, other high income professionals, 
they put that off and just pay it out over the lifetime of the career. And I just didn't want that. Awesome. Thank you for sharing your background. One of the things that Eileen mentioned was that you were able to pay off your debt pretty quickly. Will you be able to share some of the strategy that you use? Yeah, I I worked while as I was building my practice, I worked at other practices. So I basically worked multiple jobs. I actually resorted back to what I used to do and mow yards at a lawn service in high school and college. So I I did that on the side. And as you can imagine, it was a very humbling experience. I really didn't care. I just wanted to build my practice, clean up the debt, and I just move on. For me, it was just a lot of sacrifice for those first few years. But you know, really it really wasn't that bad because you're you're young and hungry and you have all this excitement and and being out of training. So it, it really looking back on it, it really wasn't as bad as most people think, but you, you just have to really focus on, if that's your one goal that you want to focus on, your one thing, then um, go for it. So focus is the key. And while you're working as a full-time, so what are some of the strategy that you utilize to build up other streams of income? And at what point that you realize, I, I need additional streams of incomes instead of just my full-time income? Yeah, that's a great question. And I I think the incident that got the ball rolling was several years ago, we were on a snow skiing trip and a kid darted out in front of me and I had to avoid killing him and killing myself. So when I did that, I fell on on my side and I caught myself and it, it hurt my wrist and hurt my hand. And my wife, you know, asked me, was I okay? And I said, yeah, it lingered for a while. And I think playing sports my whole life growing up, you never think about becoming injured until you get injured. And I remember I dislocated my kneecap playing church basketball a few years after I got out of practice. And before that, I'd really never been injured before. And then now it's always in the back of your mind uh, about that, which it's, you see these guys blow out their ACL playing football and it's mind boggling that they can come back and compete in six or eight weeks. It's just, it's a mental thing. So I really never thought about something happening to me that would affect my active income. And I think most people, you know, kind of like most people would ever think they're going to have a heart attack or something like that until they do. So that I think that was the incident that started me thinking and asking questions, those what if questions. What if I wasn't able to work anymore? What if I was either temporarily or permanently disabled? How would my family, how would I provide for my family? And that led me to start searching for other streams of income. So during your search for other streams, what did you find have been the most effective? It was definitely trial and error. Had some successes, but had several failures. Had a, a really big failure early on. But when I started looking around and researching about passive income, it a lot of times or most of the time it pointed to people who were using real estate. But I didn't have I didn't the only thing that I'd ever done was just purchase my home. So that was the only real estate experience that I had. So that was back about the time that they started the crowdfunding sites. And I started with patch of land and realty shares and just some little small debt deals, thousand dollars here, twenty five hundred dollars, and you'd put your money up. You would invest and and they would pay you X amount of percentage, maybe like 10% over a year or something like that. So that those worked out pretty well, but I decided to step up my game and did my first equity deal, which was 
apartment complex in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And back then, the way that I would invest would be I would look naturally look which deal on the website or or paying the, the highest amount of returns which I didn't even know how to calculate a return. I just saw, hey, the, this IRR, whatever that means, it's like 20%. That looks good. And then which one looked the best? So the pictures. So looking back on it, it was totally my fault while I, I lost that investment, which actually was $50,000. The deal fell through. It was just a, a bad deal that the guy, the sponsor was putting in too much money. Couldn't keep up with it. Um, people were moving out. It was a lot of crime in the area. So more people were moving out than moving in. Again, if I would have done my due diligence and checked on the area and the sponsor and, and all that, I could have avoided that. So that that was a big setback, but I I could have, you know, I've had many failures in the, in the, my life, which I'm sure you have and most people listening to this have. So you just have to make a decision. Do you want to quit or do you really want to continue to pursue this? And I did. And, and thankfully, I was able to do that. So I found a, real, a local real estate mentor. I started going to events, meetups, meetings, started networking with people learning more about it, educating myself about it, because it was important to me, and started writing down, really, um, that's kind of how I started my blog, debtfreedr.com, because I was just sharing what I was learning along the way. And I still do that to this day. So what I think that I'm learning this week that's important, I'll write an article on it. And that started the process with uh, the passive income like that. So the first deal that you did in the multifamily syndication space that you lost your $50,000 investment in was the deal in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Correct. And so you didn't vet the sponsors. You based it off of just the pictures and the high returns that they were projecting. What I was doing, I was assuming, and you've probably heard the phrase, when you assume, you know what happens. But I was assuming that the Realty Shares website, which actually went under, was doing it for me. But actually, I've spoken to several sponsors that have capital companies and such. And they told me that a lot of those companies like Realty Shares, they'll they'll take anybody. Uh, A lot of them just, oh, you give them a deal. It was just like, they don't do that. They'll just put it on their website. But when you read the website, it's it's almost, hey, we're, we're scouring through all these deals and we're putting only the best ones out there on our website. That I was putting my trust into the website, which now I, I don't do that anymore. If I'm going to invest $50,000 or more with somebody, I want to know who I'm dealing with. So I, now I have a process where I'll meet them and personally and get to know them, talk to other investors. And But anyway, if that wouldn't have happened, then I would probably still to this day be investing like that because it wouldn't have made me change. That makes sense. After losing $50,000 on your first deal, a lot of people would possibly give up, like you mentioned. And what was it in real estate investing that actually keeping you motivated and keeping you going forwards and investing in real estate even more? That's another good question. I think because there were just so many people that were doing it and were successful with it that were working full time like myself, that you could still focus on what you do best and what we were trained to do, whatever that is. For me, it's treating patients, but still have this passive streams of income on the side. So I knew that 
it could be done. I just needed to figure out a way to do it. And I've read The Millionaire Next Door and Chris Hogan's Everyday Millionaires. And you know, I've researched that a lot on my website. And these common characteristics keep coming out, keep coming up when I'm researching it. And like almost 90 plus percent of the majority of the millionaires do have real estate in their portfolio. And the majority of them have anywhere from three to nine income streams. They don't rely on just one. So I think those two things really help keep me motivated as well. So how are you finding the people that you're investing with today? It's changed a little bit. So before, like I said, I was meeting people and and I still do that now. But now what I've done, I've actually, let me back up. So about eight months ago, one of my nurses during one of our uh, surgeries, we were talking about my blog and that sort of thing. And we're always talking about a good bit. And she said, do you make any money off your blog? And I said, no. She said, why would you do it? And I said, I just enjoy doing it. I have a passion for it. So um, literally just a few weeks later, I had uh, somebody that used to be an ER doctor uh, reach out to me who actually has a company and was interested in the message that I was putting out on my blog. And he was wanting to expand his business and educate more people. So we've we've been kind of in conversation and talks, and that's led to me now focusing more with their group because I know them so well, very ethical people, they're great, great operators. So I um, just by chance, just, you know, if you go fishing and you keep going to the area where there's a lot of fish, eventually one's going to bite. But I, I really wasn't fishing. They just found me. But the more that you're networking with people, the more events that you go to or Facebook groups or whatever, you'll you'll start hearing the same groups or sponsors names come up. If you're in your area and you go, you start asking your friends, hey, we want to build a house. Who should we use? And you'll start hearing the same contractors used. Oh, yeah, he's great. Or this group is great. That's what I used to do. And then from there, I would personally interview them. And because I think whenever I talk to people, I talk to doctors on a daily basis that that have questions. And one of the first questions they ask, which is actually the wrong question, is how do you find good deals? And that's not that's not the question you should be asking yourself. You should be asking how do you find a good sponsor? Because you find a good sponsor, they're going to find you the good deals. So after you found a good sponsor, what is a good deal or a good investment in your opinion? I believe that is it's different for everyone. So for instance, if I'm talking to somebody that's a little bit older in their practice that is getting maybe ready to try to retire, well, having uh, money to use now is more important than somebody that's maybe just out of practice or just starting to work. So it depends on the situation. So I always encourage people that I talk to, uh, you got it. Cause they'll, you know, I'll say, well, how, you know, why do you want to get in real estate? And they'll just say, I just want passive income. And they haven't really thought about their, why do they want to do it? What's going to get them, if they have a failure, what's going to get them to, like I did, keep moving forward, trying to, to, to get to their goals. You have to set some sort of goal. And I think once you set your goal, then you work backwards and then that will allow you to focus on what the best deal or what a a good type of deal is. For me, I have, you know, typically invested in multifamily in areas that are growing in affordable areas in the South, Southeast, Midwest region, typically uh, B, maybe upper C class 
investments where we can, we can get a good deal on it and we can add value by making good renovations for people, giving them good, safe, clean, affordable housing. But at the same time, as gradually raising the rent, not only are you getting those distributions either quarterly or monthly. So for us, we don't, I'm still working. So having that cash flow right now to use isn't that important to me. But but later on, it will be. But for me, I really like the tax benefits that I'm able, being in such a high tax bracket that, that a lot of these investments provide. So again, it just boils down to the person, what their goals and what they're looking for now. So as a passive investor, you're able to take the benefits of the taxes and apply that to yourself, even as a passive investor. So you don't need to be an active investor to be able to do that. I'm, I'm not a, an accountant, so I would speak with your accountant, but typically it the tax benefits that at least I have gotten, they, they're not going to affect your work or your practice unless, as you know, a file is a real estate professional status, which that can be done. But for most people that are working full time, what this is going to do, this is going to offset the money that you're going to get either quarterly or monthly your distributions. So basically, you should be getting those tax free. And that's, that's what we have acquired. So when you think about how much money you would have to save, and then when you pull that money out, then you're taxed, you would have to save a lot of money up to, in order to get something that's going to be comparable to this that's basically tax-free. So for instance, if you're, if you're investing in a deal and it's a 7%, it's going to be paying you 7% like an annual rate. If you invest $100,000, it's going to pay you $7,000 a year tax-free. And you can divide that by four and get your quarterly amount. So you would probably have to invest in something that's paying 10 or 11% because it gains, which is hard to do as the stock market all over the place. Then you pay taxes on that to get that percentage. So for me, I, I do invest in the stock market with our practice retirement accounts for my wife and I. But before I started investing in real estate, we were 99% in the market, but I, I wanted to get more 50-50, which I'm actually now doing more real estate now than 50-50. But that, that was another reason that the diversification that looked at real estate as well to add to our portfolio. A lot of us would think that as a high earning professional, you possibly achieving the financial freedom already. And what does financial freedom mean to you? For me, it would be having options and it would be if you get, basically you get to the point where if you want to go to work, you go to work if you don't have to. Basically your passive income streams that are coming in have given you the freedom to do that. They have, they're paying for your, your expenses. So if you have a hundred thousand, you know, if your expenses are a hundred thousand dollars a year and you have real estate or other passive income streams that are paying that, then guess what? You don't have to work unless you want to. So to me, that's freedom. And unfortunately, the financial model that we're taught is ingrained in this so much that when you finally tell somebody, hey, you can have financial freedom in your 30s or 40s, they're it's like, what snake oil are you selling? But it just working 40 years and at a job that you may or may not like and putting money in a 401k and, and a hoping that number one, you're going to have enough and hoping number two, that you're not going to run out. That's not the only option. And, and that's what I did for the first 10 to 12 years of practice. But now I know there's a difference. And but some people may want to do that. That's fine. So, again, it just comes down to 
what do you want? If you want to work your whole life and, and do it that way, then that's fine. But if you want to not and, and give yourself options and freedom early on, where you can maybe do something else, or maybe you want to start a mission somewhere or give or donate or work. Or I had one guy that um, wanted to be like a coach, a high school coach, and he could do that. And you just never know what's going to come up later on in life, maybe what your interests are or, or people that you meet. So to me, I like having options, whether or not I change. That's I, I never would have thought when I was in dental school that I would be right here. So you just, you never know what you don't know. But if you know, I encourage people that are listening to this, if you really like something, if you have a passion or a dream or a goal, don't think that you can't achieve it based on the situation you're in now. If you really want to do it or achieve it, it's not, it's, it's not impossible. What did Walt Disney say? If you can dream it, you can do it. It's true. I'm, I'm living proof. I'm just a regular guy and down in Louisiana. And when I started my blog, the only thing that I knew how to do was turn on and turn off a computer. That's about <laughs> it. I'm not kidding you. And get on Google. Sorry. But other than that, that's it. Will you be able to share a little bit more of how real estate investing impacted your life so far? One thing that we haven't touched on is the being able to impart this education to my kids and the, the the mindset, I think that for parents really giving them that mindset, because when, when I grew up hardworking, blue collar family, which probably a lot of people listening to this were as well. But unfortunately, a lot of times for me and other people, we hear a lot of a scarcity type statements like we can't afford that. Or, we can't go on that trip. It costs too much to go there or what do you think we're made out of? You think we have a money tree in the background and in, the, in our backyard? You think I'm made out of money? So it was everything was it was too expensive. It was too much. Money doesn't grow on trees. It was almost like there's only a certain amount of money to go around. And that's what I thought growing up. So if, if there's only a certain amount, then I better what? Keep what I have and hold on to it. These, it just, it cracks me up. These websites and and if this is, I don't want to offend you, but it's just funny to me that you have all these groups and websites that that they want to retire early and they just want to be so frugal when they do it. Hey, I'm going to live in an 800 square foot cardboard box and eat spam, but hey, I retired at 32. What kind of life is that? I don't want to work my whole life to eat spam in my parents' basement. Yeah, I could do it, but I don't want that. So to to be able to impart that type of mindset in my kids and let them know, you know, my 13-year-old and I played Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow game for kids and just getting that game and just having a conversation while you're playing it. The goal is to get out of the rat race, which we're all in. And after my son, of course, beat me, he said, Dad, are you still in the rat race? And I said, you know, unfortunately, I still am, but I'm I'm working on getting out. And he looked at me and he said, that must suck, doesn't it? I said, yeah. And he's 13 and he already gets it. And a lot of times it takes people until they're 50 or 60 or older 
to get it. So to answer your question, I think that's probably the one of the biggest ways it's impacted my life is how we've raised our kids. That's definitely valuable because a lot of times we look back and we're like, oh, I wish I got into this sooner. I wish I knew about this sooner. So to be able to get that information and to get it at such a young age, they're already light years ahead of us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So what is one thing that sets those successful people apart in real estate investing? I would say that we, we touched on a little bit earlier that that instead of looking for the best deal, they, they find the, the sponsor to work with if they want to do passive investing. I'm not talking about being an active investor because I don't do that, but I'm talking about being a passive investor. And one, once you do that and find somebody that you that you trust and other people trust as well, then I think that's probably the one thing that sets the successful real estate investors apart. What tools or techniques have you used to improve the efficiency of your business or personal life? I would say probably the number one thing is I probably couldn't last without, I'm looking for it right now, my Google Calendar. I can't tell you how many times I've been somewhere. We were in Dallas last weekend and I was on the treadmill and I got a notification that I had a an investor call, somebody that was interesting and investing, I would have totally forgotten about it if it hadn't been for my Google Calendar. That, that's one thing. Let's see. I think another thing that when you asked about technique to improve your personal life, if you're married, then I always carve out time just to spend with my wife because we can get so involved with this and so wrapped up in it that a lot of times you start neglecting your, if you have a spouse or partner or whatever, or kids. So you want to make sure that you've got that balance. So I've always made it a priority to, you know, carve out time for my kids or for my wife, that sort of thing, just to keep me balanced that that makes me realize that, hey, this is why I'm doing all this to have that time to spend with them. Yeah. And one of the great tips that you gave was you incorporated your son into your real estate career and your life and learning about that. So you guys are able to share that in common. So that's really great. When we were in Dallas last weekend, there was certain areas in South Lake, which is Northwest Dallas. And just the, the growth there is just booming. There's just building stuff all over the place. So before we would just ride by and you would look at a set of apartments or a hotel being built and don't think about anything. But so now we can ride by and I can point that out. Hey, look at the growth guys. Look at their, whoever owns that, look at all the tenants they are going to have that are, they're going to be paying them whether or not they do anything with it or not. But at least I'm pointing that out to them. That's just not a set of apartments that's being built. There's people that are uh, investing in that and making money off of that. So just to make them aware of the situation, just to get their attention off their phone for a little bit as they're driving. So Jeff, can you tell our listeners a little bit more of where they can find you if they wanted to um, get a little bit more about your background, learn some more strategies that you've implemented? Where can they go? Yeah, you can go to my uh, website. It's debtfreedr.com. And if they put in debtfreedr.com forward slash free guide, they can download a a passive income investing guide I've put together that breaks it down a little bit more if if they're wanting to learn the basics and how to get started. So that's some of the basic information that that I learned. I, I put it more in layman's terms. And then if they want to go further than that, then I have a, a, a free passive investor circle on my website. It's just a group where you just learn more about 
passive investing and you can connect with uh, other people in the community. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Jeff. We really learned a lot from you today. Yeah, absolutely. And enjoyed being on the podcast and best of luck, continued success on your podcast. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.